0: Welcome to episode two of Potta Bing. I'm Vic.
1: I'm John. I'm Justin.
0: Today we're going to be talking about episode two, 46 long. Air date was January 17th, 1999. Uh, guys, I read online that this episode was described, I think it was described by the AV Club as a confident expansion of the show's universe. I wholeheartedly agree.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Uh, you know, they took how long before they got back on air after the pilot? About a year. Wow.
2: Just when they thought they were out. Pulled the episode back in. <laughs> what I found interesting, uh, the director was kind of upset that I wasn't as familiar with him. He's been a director for like every popular show ever created. Like Daniel Adias. His list of shows was like Lost, Homeland, The Wire. Wow. I mean, it went on. Like, even Grey's Anatomy, Justin's favorite show.
1: <laughs> it is not my favorite show.
0: <laughs> but you are guilty as charged, right? You've watched it.
1: No, not at all. John's <laughs> just an asshole.
0: <laughs> so, I'm going to read— So, this, this episode was written by David Chase, and it was directed, like we said, by Daniel Adias. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. The HBO synopsis is, With acting boss Jackie April dying of cancer, Tony prepares for a power struggle with Uncle Junior. Christopher and his associate Brendan make trouble for themselves when they jack a truck full of DVD players. Tony's mother, Livia, finally agrees to live in a retirement community. Big Pussy and Polly Walnuts are sent to find a stolen car. So, guys, I actually have a question for you right off the bat from the synopsis mm-hmm. itself. Polly is known as Polly Walnuts, it's yeah. written everywhere. I don't recall ever hearing him be called Polly walnuts by anybody do you guys
1: yeah there was one time i don't remember the specific part oh no it was um when chris meets uh the d girl the development girl in that episode and he's basically finding out that she's kind of not playing him but leading him on and he says even walnuts don't lie like you which you know obviously he's referring to Polly.
0: good catch so it does I, w- yeah. I was i was wondering that and i tried to find some stuff about it but i couldn't I don't ever remember him being called that, so it's good. And none of the guys in the crew ever say walnuts. It's just Polly, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah I That's, believe so. I'm going to have to listen for that. Gultieri? Gultieri?
1: Pauly Gultieri. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so since the shooting or since doing the first episode, we decided that one of the things that we're going to do to kind of shape the these episodes and kind of inform uh, our audience is we're going to discuss themes so every week every episode will have a certain number of themes that we're going to try to knock out and some weeks you know as we get into later episodes maybe later seasons we'll have some recurring themes but today for 46 long we came up with four themes and i'm going to just synopsize them real quick and then we're just going to kind of dive right in Theme one is going to be the cold open, which was unique for this show, for this episode only, I think, and we'll, we'll get into that. Theme two, um, I wanted to discuss Paulie with you guys. He wasn't really touched on in uh, the pilot as much as as much as his impact is on the overall series. So I thought we would devote a little bit of time to Paulie, and then the third theme that I had is Tony's relationships. You know, this show is uh, the Sopranos, but it really is. The, the microcosm of it is Tony Soprano and his relationships with people inside his family, people outside his family. So we'll dive into that. And then the fourth theme that I had was Tony and his repeating of what we'll call Melfiisms. So Tony's in therapy. <laughs> Dr. Melfi says something. Tony tends to apply his learnings from therapy yeah. Yeah. into his uh, personal life and into his professional life. Yeah. How does that sound? I, I love yeah. it. Let's start with the cold open then. The cold open is actually the beginning of the show. And like I mentioned a minute ago, it's the first and only of this series. What did you guys think of it?
1: Oh, I I loved it. I thought it was a a really good way to kind of tie in where they were in the history of the mob. And it kind of harkens back to the first episode where Tony talks about how, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, in on the ground floor and now he kind of feels like he's at the end. And they kind of pick that back up where they talk about, where they are right now, why the mob is losing its power, confusion, instability, a vacuum at the top. Nobody knows who to pay. Nobody knows what's going on. I think it's a perfect kind of start to the second episode of the series, especially when after, I don't know, you guys said a year, a year after the pilot, it was a perfect kind of tie-in to bring it back.
2: Yeah, I mean, if the shoe fits is, is the line that Tony has, and uh, it, it takes us back to... Where we, we started from the first episode and doing the cold open, I, I don't know if that was them playing around with that concept. Uh, it's it's a technique in television. Uh, it's something they only did once, uh, but it, it served its purpose, especially with the, the change in the tone of the show from sort of the, the comedic placement of the pilot to settling into the the characters are and where the story is going to take us.
0: One of the things I liked in particular about the cold open was the news program that they're watching mentions the status of the mob right now as one of confusion. I love the artistic choice to cut to money being poured on Mm -hmm. a table in front of tea. Yeah, business wasn't going
2: that bad for that. It wasn't going that bad. You know,
0: the the media thinks there's all this confusion, but we see waterfalls of money coming down in front of Tony. And if you guys know at this point, we're going to describe it. We're going to describe the scenario as we get further into this episode. But Tony's not the boss. Tony is kind of, if you look at him in the imagery of this scene, he's at like he's at the same level in terms of seating, in terms of optics, as the rest of his crew.
1: He's kind of one among many. Well, he was he had a seat at the table rather than being at the head or at his own. Yeah, yeah. At and his then own
2: in the t- pilot, they do reference uh, Junior makes the the reference of you may own North New Jersey, but you don't own, own your your Uncle, your Uncle, Uncle Junior. June. Yeah. So there I are some to people uh, bigger than you, my friend. Correct, and. Uh, there was probably some adjustments made from the pilot to the, the yeah. second episode. Well, one thing I noticed, uh, I, was, I always tend to look at what was going on at that time. And uh, on January 21st, just a few days later from the second episode, uh, there was one of the largest drug busts in American history. Uh, the U.S. Coast Guard had intercepted a ship carrying like 4,300 kilograms of cocaine. So it was just, I thought it was funny with all the mentioning of the drug charging mm-hmm. and, the, the changes in the way that crime is handled, that uh, something like that would...
0: Well, you know, this whole thing about how um, the, the Omerta, the code mm-hmm. of silence, and they use the Godfather 3 reference, you know, Silvio's... So,
3: cheer me up, babe. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> huh? Zappuccino, Zeppuccino Fucking spitting of
0: it. This whole notion of Tony, which is something that we'll explore, but his whole idea of the values going to the wayside and things not being the way they used mm-hmm. to be—it's interesting. Uh, everybody's flipping because of this. They don't have the—is this from the thing? This is from the pilot. Nobody has any tolerance for the penal experience yeah. anymore. Yeah, you know. Yeah. um and it's again echoing what's happening in life. The. Cold Open kind of segues into the second theme that I had, which is Pauly. I think that Pauly really shined in the Cold Open more than anybody else because we, the three of us, who've probably seen the show between the three of us over a hundred times at this yeah. point, Pauly in this scene is Pauly in his last moments yep. on, the, on The Sopranos, which is somebody who's always breaking balls, especially Chrissy's balls. This Chris, guy ever stopped breaking balls? The, you know, what was the line that he said to Chrissy in the...
3: This? I might take a fucking level of Paris. Like you were ever
2: in Paris, Pauly.
3: I went over for a blowjob. Your mother was working the bomb bonker session at the Eiffel Tower. So, did you hear what I told him. I told him I went over for a blowjob. Your mother was working the bomb bonker session at the Eiffel Tower. And then he says
0: it
1: again, right? He wants to let Silvio know that he made a funny. That's Which is
2: a reoccurring theme of the way that he tells well, his who, jokes. you
1: know, we we mm-hmm. all have that moment where we kind mm-hmm. of say something funny and not everyone heard it and we wish we wish that we could just say it again but it's not very cool Polly doesn't give a fuck he just goes for it i love that but
2: well, you're right Vic, because he is unapologetically always Polly. and throughout the show he has strong opinions he's funny and he's not afraid to say his peace of mind and, and that's just the, the quick taste of many mm. polyisms to come
0: so we have a we have our first plot point with the episode Carmela asks Tony to help find AJ's teacher's car. And I kind of, like, circled this, like, is this a, a theme? The idea that Tony gets things done? I don't know that it, it necessarily is that all that interesting, other than, for me, what it did was it kind of, the, the device is to kind of bring AJ into the story a little bit and to kind of show you his dynamic with his family. And he's about to learn some pretty interesting things about his dad.
1: Yeah, I mean...
0: So the car gets... We'll, we'll, we'll get into it, but basically AJ thinks that his dad is like a really great guy who just helped the teacher out.
1: Yeah. He calls him a hero. He says, you know, it's a really funny kind of throwaway line at the end when, when the teacher gets his car back and and discovers that it's a totally different paint job underneath and it's not... Doesn't have his books in the back and then he's just looking bewildered and uh, AJ turns to one of the kids in the school and goes, My dad's a hero. Well,
2: there's always these moments with Carmela where... She's the cookie cutter housewife, the perfect mom, but then you see little fractions of her knowing who her husband is and what he's capable of and and blending that in a way that self-serves her and and her children usually.
0: I, ca- I don't know about you guys, but I counted and she had 5 different hairdos in in that episode. Did you did you did you notice that? <laughs> no, that- I oh, didn't, I think has a little I thing just, with <laughs> Carmela's hair weird, like being a little too <laughs> domestic.
2: Now I'm that's all I'm going to watch now is the Evolution of Carmela's bangs. Well,
0: they were again. (laughs) one, One thing I read about episode two is that there was still a lot of tinkering going on in the laboratory, David Chase was trying to figure out what this show was, what the voice was going to be, because the pilot, again, was a very cinematic and stylized version of the show, but now he's starting to get settled in a little bit, and I, they, to me, that's what the hairstyle represented more than anything. Like, wow, one episode, all of these changes, wow. you're trying to figure out what what's happening here.
2: So yeah. many velour jackets, okay. so little time. Yeah, no kidding.
1: Yeah, and it's funny, she uses she wields that power like really subtly there's only probably one one scene in the entire series where i think she kind of uses it with even the the slightest bit of like you know front-facing aggression outside of that like she's very careful and subtle but she knows the power that she has
0: so what do you guys? What did you guys think about the Livia scene? And we're going to talk about this. I guess so. The the third theme that we have is Tony's and his relationships. And the first relationship that we're kind of introduced to in this episode is Georgie Santorelli. Yeah,
2: he's the, he's the barman at the bottom, at the Bing, bottom. Bing. Yeah.
0: Tony has this. He's I, I have it here in my notes that he's the luddite that works at the Bing. So yeah. doesn't understand technology. Kind of is clueless. Tony gets on the phone, or he's trying to get on the phone, trying to conduct business. But he ends up getting a phone call from his mom, and Livia, and there's this, whole, there's this whole sequence where she's on the phone being Livia, and she gets up to see what the postal worker's doing, and then her mushrooms catch on fire.
3: Oh my God.
0: And she can't dial 911. Oh to me, that was like my. such a perfect, uh, s- such economy of words, but such great acting. And, and what do we see happen to Tony? He's having basically a nervous breakdown.
3: Oh, my God! Ah. What the hell is she? Who is this? It's Anthony. The, the mushrooms, they're on fire. All right, to get the fire extinguisher under the sink. The one I gave you, get it. Oh, my God. The wall's getting all black. I'm going to hang up and call 911. Tell him, the guy's on the second line. Aren't you coming over? You press hold, goddammit. it. Listen, Ma, I can't come over. I'm 40 minutes away. You hang up and you call 911 and you leave the house. Look
2: at how I live. Ah. Well, in the first episode, and a majority of the time, we see how Livia manipulates everyone. And in this scenario, she seemed to be at her purest form. She wasn't there to manipulate Tony. I mean, I guess at first she was a little passive-aggressive, like, oh, who's calling now? But, uh, yeah, she she created this disaster that just progressively got worse and... Uh, it, it's leading to the decision that she can no longer live by herself, and uh, the succession of events that happen throughout this episode is, is the decline as her ability to to manage her life is, yeah. is falling apart.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the the first it's, it's the last straw for Tony. That I actually have a question for you guys because I never really understood this. There's I a, like questions. Yeah, so there's there's a there's a scene in uh, when Tony is talking to Doctor Melfi. You know, she, I think he alludes to her not being able to live at Tony's house. And then Tony gets really pissed off and blames it on Carmella. But I can't quite tell whether he's lying to Melfi and he doesn't want her to live there or if that's actually something that Carmella said because he gets kind of pissed off about it. And later on in that episode, Carmella does offer. Uh, Livia to stay with them she, you know and then she gets really pissed off when Livia just says oh you don't want me there and she goes, I just invited you to live live at my home and this is how you how you react like what do you guys think?
2: I think it would have been super risky if, if that's how Carmella felt was to suggest that but at the same time I think she already knew what the answer was mm. and was being kind uh, or at least washing her hands clean of the responsibility yeah but yeah I think Tony would have kept Livia at the house but that would have been a whole other episode.
0: (laughs) For me, with Tony and with Melfi, what I'm always seeing is him working out his shit, so to speak, in front of her in real time. Yeah. And it's almost like a comedian on stage trying out new material in front of, like, small audiences. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't think that he... I don't think, going back to Georgie, a lot of his feelings toward Georgie are, I think, just displaced anger at his mom. What he's going through with his mom is super complex. And, you know, people that have complex relationships with their parents, they can't even be in the same, they can't even be in the same state with them, let alone the same house.
2: He holds it in almost all episode. Uh, The pressures of work and home life and it all slowly gets to him and the the final scene is him really letting it out on on Georgie within right. that episode.
0: Um, so. Uh, Tony tells he tasks. I don't know if we specifically see him doing this, but essentially, Pussy and Pauly have been tasked with finding AJ's, yeah, AJ's teacher's car. Science teacher's, right? teacher's car. So uh, Pussy gets a lead um, at the auto shop that he works at, which we'll find out has you know is a, is another locale in the show that is pretty important as time goes on. He finds out that the person who stole it works at a coffee shop. The reason I noted this scene though is because there's a line that he says that is a line it's a colloquialism i guess from the show and probably you know new jersey italian culture in general that i just love is one of my favorite expressions you can insert your word and then add the over here to it i'm fucking rockford over here The over here and the fucking, and then insert your word of choice is one of my, one of the all time comedic lines of the show. And I think we alluded to this in the pilot episode that this show is as much a comedy as it is a drama. And the, one of the ways that the, the comedy really comes out and shines is with this dialogue. And the
2: cultural references too.
0: Well, you guys, I'm sure you know this, but the Rockard Files is the show that David Chase wrote on for many years prior to the Sopranos. So this was sort of his kind of nod to himself. Subtle man. Subtle.
2: <laughs> I just thought it was really interesting that you know Tony's flexing his whole crew to solve yeah. uh, somewhat of a personal problem.
0: You mentioned the Melfi session where Tony tells her that Greengrove <laughs> is, is it has to be an option because he can't have her live in yeah. his house. Yeah. In that same scene though, um, we also find out that he has two sisters. This is the first time we ever hear that there are two sisters. I don't recall Janice being called by name, but we know that Tony has two sisters and that we also interestingly learned that he has no positive childhood memories. She asks him, Melfi asks him to come up with something. Tell me something about your mom. Yeah. And he struggles for a minute. And the best thing that he's able to come up with...
3: Oh, one time we were down at the uh, shore. About 68, 69. The whole family... My father he, he tripped and he fell down the stairs and we were all laughing. The whole family was laughing. My mother was laughing. Any other loving experiences?
1: I love that that line and then the stare that Melphy just just shoots right at him and then he just knows like oh fuck she's she's probably right. It's Tony's kind of first time really looking back at his childhood and, and kind of understanding that, yeah, you know, he, he has this thought that he has to be this good son. Like what, what am I, if I'm not a good son, I'm, I'm horrible. But he kind of realizes that, you know what, maybe I, I can't be the perfect son because I didn't have the perfect mother. And it's the first, I think it's the first glimpse of any sort of self-realization that he has.
2: Yeah, and, and he kind of refuses to shift his blame for the situation onto his mother. He,
0: Very defensive of her. He, he yeah. is, and yeah. he's
2: so defensive. And I, I mean, you talk a lot about, Vic, uh, that um, Livia reminds you of your mother.
0: Part of it is that as big and powerful as strong as he is there's one person that can unsettle him Mm -hmm. to the point of having panic attacks nervous breakdowns and that's the power it's not just me or him or anybody that's actually the power that mothers have over their sons their children and they can use it for good or they can use it for evil you know and in many in many instances one of the ways that Livia chooses to use it as we'll see is not always she doesn't mean she's a mother you can't you know there's there's the dynamic that you can never that sanctity of motherhood that you can't take away from her. But she's, for some reason, she's pretty devious, you know, in her manipulation of him in crucial moments.
1: Oh, you know? and she knows, she knows it. She right. knows uh, what buttons to push. I read something, uh, you know, when
2: after, this is after she uh, injures her wrist in the minor car <laughs> accident. <laughs> I had read it somewhere, referenced that she had set up where she's laying in the living room almost as a coffin for, for Tony to come and watch her as she was laying there. <laughs> and I, I never thought about it that way. But yeah, just playing the victim card and oh, you never so let good. me feed so you.
0: And, and, so and, and, so and that, that scene <laughs> Those is... Those digs. The, yeah. You never let me feed you. It sounds so innocuous and benign. But it actually is such a psychological fucked up thing to say. And you see it, how it gets to him. And any any son, myself included, like when I hear that, I, <laughs> I know how many years of like just manipulation are going into that statement. Subtle manipulation, oh, but yeah. manipulation nonetheless. Well, then oh.
2: she forces his hand to even say, well, I can get power of attorney and do this and that. And then she turns on the waterworks and...
3: I'm not going to that place. Then I will go to court and I will get a durable power of a Tony over you and I will place you there. And kill me now. Go on, go, go into the ham and take the carving knife and stab me here, here, now, please. It would hurt me less than what you just said.
1: It's really funny, right before that, that scene, Tony is talking to Carmella about... You know, I'm, I'm really proud of my mom for driving around her oldster friends all the time and then cut to the scene immediately right after and she's just running over her friend. I I love love that that. scene.
0: That was a great scene. I saw, I mentioned to you guys a while ago about this uh, behind-the-scenes footage that was on Netflix. Um, I'm going to find out the name of it, and I'm going to mention it the next episode we do. But one of the scenes, one of the discussion points there was when uh, there was a lot of breaking balls. The crew, the cast, was very kind of cavalier and having a great time with the show. But whenever Nancy Marchand would come, whenever it was one of her scenes, everybody would button up and get really serious. And they were very respectful. Um, She owns, man... Like if you look at how like when when you see the scene with her and Tony and the dialogue, she's laying on her back and she has one hand, but she's she fills the frame. You know, she's so powerful. And that's like that's such a testament to the acting. Like it's so brilliant. And I really like that the nugget that I learned from the crew it was that they were just like joking with each other saying obnoxious things but when she, when her car would pull up they would they were game like, time it was game wow. time yeah there's another great scene with her last thing we'll say about Livia for now is that she her her dialogue about how suspicious she was of the Trinidadian nurse
3: she doesn't fool me for a second sure she stole it sure you didn't give it to one of the relatives keep forcing your possessions on people thinking you're gonna die wish it was tomorrow <sighs> and she's so forward too who does she think she is
2: <laughs> I thought that was
0: so great. You know, it's just, again, I don't know how much of that was written versus how much of that was her just ad-libbing it because it felt like she was just so like, you felt like you were sitting in the, in the living room with her. You
1: know? Yeah. Um, the a funny, a really funny part about that scene is that she accuses the, the, the living nurse of stealing like her plate that, that aunt Satimia stole from like a restaurant. So she's like accusing like the hypocrisy of it is so funny. And you kind of, get that throughout that entire episode. Um, even in the beginning when Tony's talking about, you know, if the shoe fits when, when relating it to to what the mobster on TV, the, the rat is talking about, um, you know, like why, why the old days are gone and never coming back. He says the shoe fits talking about how, you know, no one respects the old ways when, when Christopher ends up stealing a truck from junior soprano and then Tony ends up stealing some of the suits that were in that truck and not not handing down the punishment that probably in the old days you would have. So you kind of get that. He was kind of a hypocrite. Yeah. Well, a contradiction. Oh, yeah. Him.
0: You know, so you mentioned the shoes and you mentioned the shoe fits and you mentioned the suits. That's actually a nod to the title of the, of the episode. 46 long. 46 long. Yeah. 46 is a Euro shoe size. Yeah. And 46 long is a coat Suit size. Jacket, yeah. This is one of my favorite parts of the show. Um, I love it when we're introduced to new characters, especially uh, the way The Sopranos does it. They respect the viewer. They just kind of like place you in a setting and they don't really build up who this person is. They just let you know that there's a boss, and, and we're also going to be introduced to another character, one of my favorite characters in the first season. But there's a sit down. Uh, Junior's unhappy. We know at the beginning of the episode, Chris and this guy Brendan Fallone, his partner in crime, they jack a truck, and that's uh, what is it? Junior's. It's a, a junior. Calmly truck? trucking. Is it? Junior's yeah, he's right. being paid to protect them. To Protect yeah.
2: the. Uh, so Junior are...
0: wants restitution, and we learn for the first time that there is the higher power that both of these guys answer to is Jackie April senior. what do you guys think of that scene in terms of world building?
1: You can kind of tell that there's a little bit of a disconnect from Tony and, you know, Jackie senior to Corrado J- uncle junior. Um, you know, they're kind of having a little sit down and I think Corrado is expecting some, some punishment, something to old happen school. yeah old, the old school ways and you know the the punishment or at least you know the ruling that Jackie brought down was that okay those guys got to make restitution to Junior but no real like punishment nothing that you know really kind of emphasizes what you're supposed to do and not do and right and wrong at least in terms of like the mob structure
2: yeah I think uh, Tony even dismisses Junior's anger he- says, I don't even know why we needed to sit down for this, but I think Junior's upset that Tony isn't as upset or yeah. equally as upset about what's going on. Um, and he sort of washes his hands clean from responsibility even after the fact, you know, when they get with the challenges with the second truck that they hit. Yeah. And Tony's like, go return that <laughs> truck and you you guys are on your own. Like, it was just...
0: We learn in this scene, too, that Jackie has cancer. Mm-hmm and there's this idea that he might want to name a successor. Tony has an interesting line where he says,
3: Stay in age? Who wants the fucking job?
0: But then the camera cuts to Junior, who's looking kind of like very yeah. wantingly, longingly, oh, yeah. at Jackie. So again, we learn from the pilot this whole notion about how Junior's been sidestepped and mm-hmm. he's been passed over and he's never had his day. And this is something that's going to come back and become a very big part of the next couple of episodes. But I just think that the choice the economy of words the use of camera angles and just sort of like the body language is so telling
1: oh you and- can tell that he wants it so bad tony you can tell that tony is kind of a little honest in that in that scene where he's saying like who wants it like he really doesn't think that the power is all all that worth it you know obviously he, who doesn't want to be the the boss or number 1 but but Junior can't even hide it. Like, it's so apparent on his face that, that he believes that he is the heir to the throne and deserves it.
0: Another great scene, we're introduced to Mikey Palmisi. Mikey Palmisi is a chauffeur and hitman. So, so Tony goes up and says, says hello to him. He's waiting in the car.
3: Hey, Mikey, that's the boy. What boy is that, Tony? Huh? The one you sleep with. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding you. How you doing? I'm all right. How's my uncle treating you? Hey, we're covering on nothing. Your nephew, what's he, retarded? He likes to play with trucks or something? Retarded? What if Jerry Lewis heard you talking like that? Oh, that's muscular dystrophy, Tom. It's too bad they don't have a telethon for fuck face huh? They found a cure yet? <laughs> oh, come on, I'm just kidding you. Come on, you're a good sport. Come on. All right. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. You all right? You all right? You all right? Yeah, I'll see you later. <laughs>
0: As a viewer, I've seen it that it's seen 20 times, and I had the same question I had the first time I saw it. Face- have they, they found a cure it? for a <laughs> I think you can buy it over the counter now, actually. Um, but no, why does he hate this guy so much? Is I it,
1: think he's just kind of like a Weasley guy that you just are introduced to in the show as a, someone that you just don't you just like. You
0: know that Tony doesn't like him. You and, know that Tony doesn't like him, and so you kind of don't like him. I don't a, know. He's
1: a fuckface. He has fuck fuck face- itis. It's all over his face. You just don't like him. <laughs>
0: It brings up, it goes back to the theme, the third theme that I mentioned in the beginning, which is Tony's relationship. So we know that he has this relationship that's, let's just say, on the fritz, if you will, with, yeah. with Mikey. And that's going to come back and it's going to be a theme. And this is something that the show does very well. It sets the stage for not only the power play between two individuals, but what you can expect the fallout to be. Um, and we see this with the guy named Feech in later mm-hmm. seasons, uh, you know, with Richie Aprile. Yeah. It's, it's a classic device that I think is, it's simple in the sense that he's basically letting you know that Tony doesn't like this guy. So this guy's probably, yeah. probably in trouble, but it also is just kind of giving you, again, what we talked about at the beginning it's giving you it's building this universe yeah you know tony's got enemies and there are people that tony pisses off and there are people that tony that love tony and vice versa and i think it's a good it's it's good to establish that yeah and it plays off
1: of two themes that i think are really present throughout the entire series of hierarchy and entitlement um you know everybody in this entire you know work family believes that they're entitled to something and, you know, we we talk about it a little bit in, uh, or you see it in in the beginning of the episode where Chris is talking about how he thinks he should have been made from the Triborough Towers incident and they're not allowing any new members into the club. And Chris just thinks because he did this one hit that, like, I should be a made fast-tracked. guy, fast-tracked. Yeah, and, you know, that just shows his entitlement. And then it's Junior with his entitlement for feeling like he was passed over and he should be boss when... You know, I, obviously, we don't know the history before the, the pilot episode, but, you know, obviously, it seems like in terms of merit, you know, Tony seems like he has a lot more respect throughout the, the crew and the different captains when Junior just feels like he's entitled to something. And, you know, obviously, Tony feels like he's entitled to a lot as we kind of progress through the show. You see that more and more.
0: There's a sit down with the captains, but that's not this episode. That's in a couple of episodes. a Great scene.
2: You think about the capos; they have their own specific crew. And uh, at this point, you have Tony's crew and you have Junior's crew. Mm. So there's inherent probably competition, disdain. Uh, it's just he's not one of Tony's guys. So uh, any issues that he has with Junior or, or Mikey are, are sort of not under his scope or his reach. So there's a... yeah. You see that a little bit as we progress into different crews within the crew.
1: But. Yeah, and with that that scene where it's uh, Jackie, um, Junior, and Tony, and they're talking about, you know, handing out the punishment or the, whatever the ruling is for the Comley truck incident, um, as Tony walks away, and, you know, during that scene, you're kind of feeling like, okay, there's a connection between Tony and Jackie, they're friends, they kind of have, like, a wink-wink sort of thing with Junior, and, you know, like, Tony doesn't get any ruling down. But then right after Tony walks away... You know, uh, Junior goes, smoke he hires for his own mother. And you kind of see, like, okay, maybe like there's just a lot of, you know, talking shit about each other behind their back. Like everybody does it. And there's no real friends in this game. There's no, you know, he's a friend of ours. Like there's, there's no real friendship or loyalty.
2: Like, and this is on the heels of all of the Artie Bucco restaurant yeah. things that happened in yeah. the first episode. We don't episode.
0: see Artie in this episode, do we?
2: No, I don't think so. I'm no, thinking about the food fight later on. Yeah, that's the next one. That's the season.
0: So you mentioned Chris. Chris has got to make restitution. And we know that there's this guy named Brandon Falone who mm. Tony doesn't like. This yeah. is another example, another theme that we're going to come across with Tony. He's a uh, good
1: kid. He just doesn't like that amphetamine. Yeah, good. <laughs> exactly. Quoting
0: him. Uh, it's, Tony hates drugs. Yeah. And it's like a thing that it, it, it comes back over and over again. And basically, if you're a user, you're just on the outs with him from the get-go.
1: Yeah, well, we'll go back to the, to the first scene, the cold open, where, where they're talking about, you know, why is, is the mob, you know, dead? Well, I think the, the main reason is the, the mandatory minimum drug, drug sentencing. 35 to life. Yeah. So, so right off the bat, you know, anything that has to do with drugs is, is a one-way ticket to, to the fishes. Um, it's liability to yeah. his crew. Well, it's also yeah. in like Goodfellas when when Pauly is talking to Henry and he's like, you know, it turns your mind into motion, like slaps him around a couple of times. You know, I think I think it's kind of prevalent in in The Godfather as well when when uh, Don Vito doesn't want doesn't want to get involved with um, Solazzo because you know the drug get- business is going to take away the. The senators that he has in his pocket, the politicians, all that stuff, you know, it's its something that the, the, the mob should have just stayed away from. And it was kind of really the downfall, the end of the golden age.
0: So Tony tells Chris to hand over the money and he tries to tell him, he basically says, <laughs> hey, look... Give me the bag of money. I'll try to talk Junior down, and that'll be the end of it. And so, you know, Chris acquiesces. He gives him the bag, and Tony drops this line
3: Did you warble, my little wren?
0: Which is a reference from the movie The Bank Dick. Yeah. Which I thought was funny because he takes he he usurps the money, yep. he pockets it, and he says it, and it's such a little subtlety. Did you warble my little ren? Did you warble yeah. my little ren? And you know, Christopher goes back out to the front of Satriales, and he basically says, you know, "Brendan asks him, so how much do you think we're going to keep?'" And he's like, "After everybody takes their cut, we'll be lucky if we get a couple hundred yep. bucks out of this." I yep. just love
2: how hard he comes in there. I'm not going to pay. Okay, I'm going to pay. I've got fifteen thousand oh, yeah? in this bag. <laughs> like, was he? Well,
0: how strong is Tony? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it was intended to be, but it was. It came up. It was one of the few things that was a little. Uh, exaggerated was his ability to pick up Brendan Flon and throw him like 14 feet across <laughs> the thing. It was a little comedic. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was. I don't I don't think it doesn't matter how strong you are. that, that dude's like a good 170 175.
1: <laughs> You're not picking him up. I know. <laughs> I know.
2: Conveniently onto a big onto
0: a
1: thing big. It's of, meat. of meat. It's yeah. funny. I actually, you know, after he like said that line, I was like, "You know, I've never heard of this this movie The Bank Dick." So I looked up uh, a trailer and every comment said the soprano sent me here yeah. every comment on youtube so i thought that was pretty funny
0: you know that's funny about the sopranos the that restaurant the pizza land in the beginning uh-huh. that that restaurant gets business from around the world people want them uh, the guy who owns the place to send them a pie doesn't matter how old it is doesn't matter how cold it is they just want it because it's a piece of the sopranos isn't that crazy like, yeah. the residual wow. effect that it has to this day um let's see where are we then so th- there was this, there was a cameo did you guys see that so we we see Chrissy in line at a club with Brendan and we're and he's with Adriana who we know is is his girlfriend but the show hasn't really established that yet. Yeah. She's just kind of made it in because she was so amazing in the pilot, but we have a nice little cameo. Yeah. Uh does anybody know who the woman was? We have Martin
1: Scorsese. Well, it's not and, actually oh, him. No. It's not. No, oh, it's, it's an a, actor. Oh, it's an yeah. actor. I swear to you. Yeah. I no. looked it up. It's not him. It's not, That's not him. Really? Yeah.
2: yeah. It really looked like him, but
0: are you sure? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah wow. I
1: double checked yeah.
0: this. Verified this with the pot of bing. We vet. Unless everything.
1: Sopranos Autopsy was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Sopranos Autopsy. You got this from Sopranos yeah.
0: Autopsy? Yeah. Okay, shout out to Sopranos Autopsy because I freeze framed I- it. I
2: checked it on IMDb too. And, and he it, have a it's credit. a different actor.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go back and watch.
1: And it, it would make sense because I think Martin Scorsese says he's never watched The Sopranos.
0: What? what yeah. A dick.
1: I know. Well, I can't say that I love him. But, yeah. Wait a minute,
0: that's, that's a, like a very bold statement. Like, yeah, he he was asked like he yeah. was asked to comment about the show, and mm-hmm. and he said, "I've never seen it." Yeah, was this recently, or was this as like? Early I on?
1: I think that this is probably a while back, probably during during the time while the show was being while made? the show, or probably like a little bit after.
0: Huh? Is there any bad blood? No, I don't think so. He just I think he's he's like been there, done that, good yeah. fellows. Bye. <laughs> yeah, you not know,
2: to get him on the show.
0: That would be amazing. <laughs> is he a memer? I don't know. I don't think he's on Instagram. I don't think he's following like Sopranos. all of the,
2: the major actors on The Sopranos don't really have no, they uh, don't. an Instagram page. They don't. So we, we're constantly looking for them. I know. So when, uh, when, it, when they surface, we'll find them. Yeah.
1: But that, that scene is actually really funny. And it, it kind of, I think, leads to uh, Brendan and and chris kind of getting pissed and wanting to like you know make their make a name for themselves because because they're not Screw getting restitution yeah no well they and they're not they're the not truck. getting into the club yeah. they, these are some guys who think they're like you know should be made guys they think that they should be higher up on the social chain and they're not getting into this this nightclub. So
0: Brendan, like you said, was like, "Let's do it again." Let's jack yeah. another truck and the, the, with the suits. Yeah. But Chris, Chris, he pulls out of that. He bails out. He's either high or he has some sort of epiphany where he basically says at this club that I'm 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 not going to go. But uh, there's a the little bit of a scene that when uh, Brendan takes the truck, yeah, shots are fired. Yeah, and there's a casualty of war. Did you? And you you're probably going to call me out on this if I'm wrong, but uh, did you guys watch The Wire? Bodie. It's Bodie, right? Bodhi.
2: Mm-hmm. It is Bodie. All right, it is Bodie. I saw
0: it and I was like, "Wait a minute, is that Bodie?" Yeah, that's that yeah. Bodie. Are we talking that's about Bodhi. Special K? Special K.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what a silly name for that guy, too.
0: No, no, no. Oh. Special K is Bodie's name, in the that's how he's credited. Oh, really? Yeah, he's, he's, oh, I didn't know that. He's listed as really? Special K, the, the guy dropped the in the Ricochet. Yeah. I didn't know so that he I didn't, got, a, got a name. I didn't do the IMDb deep dive. I just saw him by face, and I'm yeah, like, "Yeah, that's that's Bodie. It is Bodie."
2: And I noticed, and I'd have to have to double check, but the guy's only thirty-eight. 39 years old, so at the time, he was pretty young.
0: Yeah. Well, and he was young in The Wire, man. Yes. Yeah, true. And the Wire was yeah. a few years yeah. later. Yeah, so we got Bodie from The Wire. Um,
1: How about that Mike Epps cameo? Right? Yep, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know what, though? That that scene where where Brendan Fallone is kind of coming to Chris at, what, like, 5 a.m. and trying to get him to come out, and he says, you know, maybe the reason things are so fucked up is because people aren't listening to middle management. It kind of shows that, you know, okay, everything's fucked up because there's a vac you know there's a power vacuum at the top and there's nobody knows who to kind of you know kick up to or or anything like that but chris is kind of staying true he's he kind of is staying old school and be Like, you know what maybe I, i'm having second thoughts about this maybe if i want to work my way up i got to go old school listen to middle management and that's that's the way that i kind of work myself up
0: because his the route he's taking which is the fast track isn't working out
1: no no especially going against the a cop, like uh, that's that's one thing that I kind of you know kind of look at Tony and like you know what are you what are you doing You're letting these guys who are under your umbrella of management rip off. I I, I don't know where Junior's position is, but I'm guessing he's a capo. Um, you know he's a captain. Yeah, it's implied that he's a captain. I of think his own so. Crew. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. they're all captains. Because in a
0: later episode, we're gonna see when 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 him and Tony come to a resolution on on something. He's gonna say have the other captains. Or, mm. or do you speak for the other captains? Yeah, yeah. and so yeah. It's yeah.
1: So so you know the fact that they stole something from Junior twice, or at least Brendan did, and Tony do, Tony's not the one to really do anything about it. I I kind of don't really get that, especially when he doesn't even like Brendan that much. To begin with, he doesn't really but hand protects, out the punishment. He
0: protects his guys. Like, oh yeah, okay, see, and fair enough. The, 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 but the but I agree with you. the other The other thing with Tony though is there's this duality to him where he all the decisions flow through him, mm-hmm. but he also wants to be liked. Yeah. But later on in a later season, well, you know, when he's really pissed, when the earnings aren't coming in, yeah. he says, "I'm not running a fucking popularity yeah. contest." That comes to a head, well, but but th- when you when you hear him say that later in the show, you realize that he's had to say that because he's tried to be too much like the guys.
1: Yeah, and that's know? that that goes right back to the cold open where he's sitting at the table. He's one of the guys. You know, he's not somebody that's going to be an authoritarian kind of figure. He's he wants just, to fit in. He wants to fit in. He's He is fitting in. He's just joking around with the boys.
0: And it's actually one of his greatest strengths, as we'll see again in a later episode without getting too ahead of ourselves. One of the reasons that he decides to sit down with Junior and they come up with an arrangement is because Tony would rather be a little bit behind the scenes because we'll learn that it will help him avoid you know, the attention of the feds. Yeah, yeah. And it actually, his, it's actually his greatest strength. Yeah. is his, his foresight to be able to be like, look, man, um, well, it's another Melfi, it actually ties perfectly to theme four, which is Tony learning things from Dr. Melfi and applying them into his, Yeah. into his life. This episode in particular, there's a great dialogue. And so for the actual, once we actually cut the episode, I'm going to play this
3: clip. Well, we were looking at Green Grove. It's a beautiful facility. It's more like a a hotel at Captain Thib. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and Captain Thib's for those that don't know is a place in the south of France. Yeah. A very very exclusive, expensive, private area.
1: Wait, to- hold on. It's not a luxury resort for captains or something? Well, no. So Tony
0: <laughs> so Tony when he's trying to sell Livia yeah on Green Grove, he's like mm-hmm. it's not a nursing home, it's a retirement community. He's later repeating it to his mother. It says,
3: You're going to stop living alone right now. I'm not going to that nursing home. Green Grove is a retirement community, and it's more like a hotel at Captain Teeb's. Who's he? Captain owns luxury hotels or something. I don't know. That's not the point.
0: The greater point yeah. is that he learned something from Melfi and he uses it
3: Well, to his right,
1: right after and he says, that I've Melfi seen uh,
2: seniors that are inspired and he just from her are inspiring And then, and then yeah. he
1: like butchers that too it's so funny when yeah, he no. he kind of takes something he hears from somebody who's you know saying something a little bit profound or yeah. something that he really takes to heart. He's like, "Man, that, that I really like that line." And then he just completely like turns it around and, and butchers it. He actually does that a few times, a lot of times. throughout the series. It's I very, love it every time. It's
0: very Good Will Hunting-esque where do you, if you remember Will in the bar at the beginning when he's when he's trying to hit on min, the mini driver uh-huh. character, the the history PhD guy starts reciting all this like stuff yeah. at him and he's yeah. like, "Are you just going to plagiarize the whole yeah. thing or do mm-hmm. you have any original ideas mm-hmm. of your own?" And this is another example yeah. of Tony like and we're we're all guilty of this, especially guys. Like if somebody says something that's cool and profound, or like if you hear a really woke lyric to a uh-huh. song, you'll like, you'll be like, yeah. And you'll like say it and you'll make it like your own idea. Yeah. And tone. And one of the reasons why Tony's so relatable is that when he says things like that, it's like, you know what? I would totally say <laughs> the same shit. <laughs> yeah. I would, I wouldn't be, I would pretend that I know th- th- what Captain Teebs is. And yeah. I'd be like, oh, she said Captain Teebs, <laughs> And I would try to make some <laughs> profound statement out of it. And that again is classic relatability. Relatability 101.
2: Yeah. I, well, I think Tony's perspective on his time with Melthy mm-hmm. is, is way different than what she has planned for him. Oh, like, yeah. it, it, to him, it's, I'm going to try to learn from you to solve my problems. And that's definitely not always the most effective.
1: And yeah, there's, well, he there's has a, a li-
0: revelation at the end where he decides to stay in therapy, right? Yeah. He decides well, there's,
1: to- there's a line that he, he says a couple of times where he says, Oh, you gave some good tips. Yeah. psychology isn't about like giving tips it's about like self-awareness growth bettering yourself and just having a better quality of life and he just looks at it as like tips and he he in turn says like you know, he, he responds when she talks about how he paid too much money for a session. It's like, oh, you gave a lot of good tips that session. So. Well, no, so he, so it's transactional yeah. for him.
0: He reali- he recognizes the value, and you kind of see it in, in just as, again, James Gandolfini, because there's no dialogue that he actually says that addresses it, mm-hmm. but a light bulb goes off in his head in the sessions when he's on the fence about coming back, he kind of realizes that she's giving him and she doesn't she's not intentionally giving yeah. him input to go and like you know solve your yeah. your business problems but yeah. he's using this now he has like a new reason a, a new lease on life with respect to therapy he he's a smart guy he realizes that he's getting some value not the intended value mm-hmm. but he's getting some value and he's going to leverage the shit out of it
1: yeah yeah uh, he he um like like john you mentioned you know he looks at therapy as a a way to kind of Sharpen his skill set and to get a little bit up to become a better mobster. And Melfi, in one of the later episodes, not to get too far ahead but even says like, you want to be a better gangster? Read, read the art of war by Sun Tzu. And then he takes that as like a direct or directive Literal. to go do that. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, I read that book. You told me to go read when when she was just saying it in jest. I thought that was so funny. Yeah,
0: no, but again, guys do that. Yeah, You know, you, somebody name drops somebody to you or somebody says something to you. What's the first thing that we tend to do? We tend to look that, look it up. Yeah. And then, internalize it even if you don't read the book you'll read the back of the book or you'll read the table of contents and you'll be like oh i got this shit you know um but it was such a great way it, this is only episode two mm-hmm. okay? yeah. it's such a great way for the creators to show us look this is tony Okay, he hears shit, and then he mind melds it into his own thing
2: yeah. to suit his needs. I don't know if this applies to the show, but it's also our worst performing meme ever created when we reference uh, that. Did you guys do that? We did it recently, it recently, but to us, it was funny. But it was one of those.
0: Is it because? Is it because people didn't know about Antibes?
1: I th- I or think or that they, they didn't get the reference to the the scene in the show. We did a play on Captain Phillips and oh,
2: Captain Teeps, <laughs> and it was like got it. It's so yeah. how
0: does it how does it work when some of your memes? I guess I don't want to use the word fail, but like the ones that don't hit. Like do you okay. learn about it in the comments. So, or do you learn about it in the likes.
1: This is a, lo- this is it, a this, whole other. This episode. is a whole <laughs> yeah. thing. But so we uh, we have you know we have a couple of duds, and there are there are some memes that we do that you know what we we think it's hilarious. Captain Teebs was one of them, and um, you know whether or not the audience likes it you know that's fine we kind of do it for us then there are some that you know we take a little bit of a risk we have we have a thing where anytime there's a bad meme idea we call it a tony stein what, a meme that john john made where tony's kind of like the monster frankenstein that that we uh there's lots of themes that we
2: could do. One <laughs> is, is when we do a meme that references a specific scene. Yeah. Another is when we tie it into another cultural reference and blend it together.
0: Like the Zuckerberg ones you like do. Like the Zuckerberg yeah. ones or
2: a, yeah. a movie if it had so-and-so in it. And, and like Justin says, we, we make them primarily for us, secondary yeah. for the fans, and there's different levels of fandom uh, and some people that get everything that we've done and some that don't. Yeah. And it's, it's and it's interesting. Okay. It's okay to be oh, yeah. Sure. And, yeah. that, and that's the fun part of doing this. But we also talked about prior to uh, sitting down today was this episode in particular is one of our bread and butters. Yeah. There's, there's some that you don't get anything. And, and we pulled a lot of various memes from just this second episode. So it's, it's interesting what little nuances or cultural iconography from a single show can, can inspire a meme
0: do you guys have any Mikey Palmisi ones?
2: Oh yeah, There's oh yeah, we have uh, Jerry
1: Lewis telethon for fuckface itis. <laughs> oh, <that's Yeah>.
2: awesome. <laughs> we even have the one that you weren't really a big fan of because uh, when he asks, he's like, uh, "Hey, Mikey, you know, how's the boy, the one you've been sleeping with?" And it's it's a cut to. Michael Jackson sitting in the car I, so I'm
1: of a Mike, Mike, I'm huge insane. Michael Jackson yeah. fan yeah how
0: dare you man I gotta go
1: but I was a fan <laughs> of that one I did so you, it you, was a- you're a basketball guy too right I'm a you know, basketball guy how much do you
0: love it whenever Chuck goes you know that, that's Michael Jackson out there with a bunch of Tito Jackson. Oh, yeah I love it It's my it. favorite I love Chuck it. line of all time I love it And it, I, look he was he was messed up man he was complicated and convoluted but his music is, stands yeah. alone man There's a this is a random trivia question is there any Michael Jackson in the Sopranos not a single song right
1: i i always look at the music of the show to be kind of tony's taste you know and it 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 shows kind of the different facets of of tony's personality you know he does try to kind of branch out a little bit so you know he 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 likes those old opera singers and the the italian music the old school stuff he he has an appreciation for that but he also like loves like the the good classic rock and even like a lot of the motown stuff you know that he that we kind of hear oh, later on oh, girl yep <laughs> yep I always thought that, like, that was kind of symbolizing his trying to branch out and be away from, like, just being a stereotypical old-school gangster, mobster, Italian-American. I always found that really, really interesting. And and He had a semester and a half of college, man. Come at on. At Seton Hall. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's a worldly man. Um, did we miss anything?
2: Um, one thing like- that I uh, took a note, and I know it's been discussed before— think even on other podcasts is uh, when Carmela goes to Livia's house post the fire because Tony's 40 minutes away, as he mentions, uh, she asks Carmela if Tony's still having his fits, the mm. quote-unquote fits. Yeah. And Carmela reveals uh, some pretty private information. That
0: she's seeing a therapist. That he's
2: seeing a therapist and that he's on medication. And I, I'm always curious and maybe to ask you guys what you think was that just her confiding in with her mother-in-law was it a big mistake that she made because later on that that information's going to be used against Tony and even in the first episode he had explained to Carmela that this information could not be shared yeah. with other people yeah
0: so you're looking at it from the standpoint of did Carmela plant the seed intentionally versus was it just an inadvertence like slippage of conversation yeah I, mean, I that's, that's I guess, crazy I that's crazy deep man mm. because she did say you're going to hell in episode one and she does she does have her issues with him I'm gonna at this at this early stage of the show mm. I'm gonna say that it was just inadvertent yeah. family business being discussed mm-hmm. as Greg Popovich would say family business <laughs> yeah. she um, now that I know that you like basketball I'm gonna be dropping basketball references like a like a mofo. Um, but you're absolutely right and I missed that yeah, her I- telling Livia that has a domino effect that we're going to basically, it's all of season one.
2: And if you guys like basketball references, look at the date that Michael Jordan retired. It was... In between the first episode and the second episode,
0: he was so sad. He was so upset. <laughs> he was so upset that the, the show might not go to series. He was like, <laughs> that "He's know, like, fuck the it. NBA, I man. I'm out of here."
2: <laughs> well, He later returned, but maybe he he wanted to just devote all of his time to watching the. Sopranos. He returned yeah. because
0: David Chase called yeah. him and was like, "We got this," and he's like, "All right, I'll win another championship. <laughs> I'll win three more championships." Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's a that's
1: a good catch. That yeah, actually, I missed that. I missed that in the in the show too. She does tell
0: she does tell Livia. the reason that's so it's so subtle is because i remember now livia doesn't say anything she just
1: makes a little gesture oh i think well she doesn't say anything but, but i think she says a lot she's like oh no what is he doing i'm so ashamed to have a son in therapy i think that's but that's only- what's going or i i'm so ashamed to have a son that's on medication i think i don't know if it's revealed that he's in therapy or, she makes, she, oh, she she's does. She's in
2: therapy wow. and he's on medication. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: And you remember from the he's first like, oh. ep- from the
0: first episode where Junior says something's going to have to be done and she turns her head, which is basically her silent assent that she's yeah. cool with whatever yeah. happens to Tony. Yep. Now she's got more of to her him being a th- in therapy is like going to the dark side yeah. in a way. Yeah. Cuz she's part of this whole thing too. There's this whole notion that that the head of the family is actually Livia yeah, um, and she has a reputation to maintain, and so on and so forth. So, very interesting find, John. I like that. Um, one of the things that we're gonna do also um, on an episode by episode basis is discuss like notable music moments. I think we kind of touched on it today. I didn't really have any that jumped out on me. Did you guys have anything that was like a? We'd lous- have to go back
2: and, and reference the, the title, but when his semi panic attack happens, it's a great opera. Yeah, yeah and, and and very re- is that similar one? to the same. Type of it's music that a, was playing when he had his first one
0: it, it it's not a um it's not a Puccini okay uh, but it's it's in the same vein. Every panic attack is associated with a virtuosic classical performance of some kind, and I have one thing that i that I kind of caught that I liked we'll do this from time to time as well like if there's any memorable lines and there was a there was a very line at the very beginning when Christopher and Brendan jacked the truck and the driver says look i can't get go out, get out of this unscathed my my bosses are never going to believe me and so Chris and, and Brendan beat the shit out of him and then oh! Oh!
1: Oh! 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 Oh, It's just a great subtle,
0: like, we got this. (laughs) Um, And again, I want to make it, I want to make an emphasis to point that out because the writing is still to this day. One of my best friends watches the show as religiously as I do. He's just too embarrassed and scared to be on a microphone. Uh We just have logged all these memorable lines, you know, like, scathed. So that's it, guys. So next week, we will talk uh, episode three, but we're going to try and bring some fresh voices in over time, and we're going to explore themes. And we're going to try to... Uh, contribute to the well-established corpus of sopranos uh, material out there, because, again, like you guys alluded to with the with the with the memes, we love this stuff. yeah. and this is just this is all coming from a very organic place, yep. so once again, I'm Vic,
1: I'm John, Justin here,
0: and we'll see you next week.